You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 90. I don't think there are any Hall of Famers who wore the number 90, Rick. Do you have any more recent players that pop to mind? I got some for you if you don't. No, I, uh, 90 is a tough number. Oh, Jeff Scanina. <laughs> <laughs> is that a real person? Yeah. Who's Jeff Scanina? He was a defensive tackle, sawed off defensive tackle to play for us in uh, oh. Miami. Uh few years so nice shout out to jeff scanina yeah i think i think he was 90 oh boy well you know who was 90 and was actually someone you probably was were very interested in when you were in miami julius peppers oh julius was 90 that's a good one what'd you think of him coming out he was a beast no concerns about anything i would imagine no he was a he was a uh very good college football player and very good NFL player. And a very good college basketball player. Yes. He was one of the he was the first start of the well, there was the freak curse down then uh that I did, but out of my area at the time, uh he was unique when he came out yeah. from a physical standpoint. I don't know if you knew this, but uh Debo had me talk to the freak a couple of weeks ago on the pot for the uh with the first pick podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> like he'd go out there and hurt some people. He's a good guy. He said he was drafted to 99 class, I believe. I think he was drafted 16th. He still knows every single person drafted ahead of him, and he used it as motivation somehow. He was the first edge rusher taken, too. Right. So you can check that out if you want to hear me talk to Javon Curse about being awesome at his job. Of course, that's Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. Today, Rick, we're, talking, uh, we're taking a look at my top 50 big board. Oh, boy. Yep. You can find it at cbsports.com. And Rick, I can't imagine you have any problems with any of it. No, I thought it was perfect because I have 80 more nine days of niceness to you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's get to that. The old with the first pick official draft big board is behind us. How many days until the old draft? Well, we still don't have a, an official countdown clock with all the red light up bulbs and everything like that. Ryan is still handwriting everything up there. So I believe there is 189 days left until the 2024 NFL draft and 89 days left of niceness before I have to start picking all this mess that you're leaving behind and help you get it corrected before the draft comes along. I thought you were going to curse there. Thank you for saying mess. By the way, I looked into those uh, digital countdown clocks you're talking about. Those things are like several hundred dollars. I don't know if Devo has that in the budget, so we may have to go with the handwriting cards from here on out. <laughs> they're working. It's a, uh, it's low budget operation, but yeah. we're very efficient at what we do. It's yeah. not the materials you have. It's how you make them work. That's right. That's what every poor person says to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, in addition to the go to my top 50, we're going to hit up a batch of the old five-star review prospects. If you're new here, if you're Rick, all that means is that if he leaves a five-star review and have a podcast and drop the name of an FBS or FCS player, We'll evaluate that player on the show. And today we're going to get through a, a bunch of those guys. Uh, so keep them coming and we'll continue to talk about them as we get through the old draft process. Because again, it's only eight, uh, October 19th as we're doing this thing. Let's do yeah. this thing. And I had to wear a, an overcoat today. Yeah, what's going on? Now, it was in the 60s when I woke up this morning and it's only supposed to be in the high 70s. So it's a little chilly out there on the island today. Is your toupee the dry cleaners? Why do you have a hat on? Oh, I didn't do my hair yet. Man, your hair looks pretty good for not doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It just wakes up like that. <laughs> How does Chris, your brother, feel about you having that beautiful head of hair like you're Sam Hartman? <laughs> well, he says, well, how do you feel about me having all the change of direction you didn't have? <laughs> he got he got you there. Is that what he says to you? No. Actually, uh, 
I'm pretty witty though. <laughs> okay, if you say so. <laughs> that, would be, yeah. that would be funny if you said it. By the way, uh, on last show on Tuesday, Rick, you and I talked about the old pop or drop like we like to do on Tuesdays. We look back at the Oregon Washington barn burner and where Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix now find themselves in the race for QB3. We also tried to make sense of old Caleb Williams' three interception effort versus Notre Dame. And uh, if you can believe this, both Rick and I felt better about Caleb Williams coming out of that game. So check that out in the old podcast feed if you want to see why. And as always, we talked about our favorite rookies from week six in the NFL, as well as our favorite quarterbacks, including some guy named named Tyson Bajan, who's in line to make his first NFL start this week against the Raiders. Imagine that. Ten months ago, he's playing D2 ball in West Virginia, and now he's about to make his start. Yeah, and uh, I believe his last game, as I was reading through some clips, it was a Colorado School of the Mines. <laughs> And they got killed in the semifinals. And I think he threw for 186 yards wow. and a couple of uh, interceptions and zero touchdowns. Wow. So I was, I just went back and looked at some of his numbers because Debo wants me to do a little social media thing on him. He threw 53 touchdowns in 2021 and fit 41 in 2022. He threw for over 9,000 yards in those two seasons. So the Colorado School of Mines must have had some dudes on that team to slow him down. Well, he's throwing against dudes like yourself that are probably trying to cover dudes that look like you. Also 50 years old, too, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are as athletic as you. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, though. How do you evaluate players that are at a level or two or three or four below what you see typically in D1 ball and what you expect to see on Sundays? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's basically off experience because I always said that you build a library in your head when you're scouting. And I gave you a, you know, a couple times on this podcast, my miss on Robert Porsche because he was at South Carolina state, but had all the physical traits. So I think you really have to, you're projecting these guys at, at regardless of what level, but you really have to project uh, when they're at the division two, II, division three, NIAI, wherever they're coming from. But we also know that most of the guys that have a legit opportunity to play in the NFL are going to be either in the senior bowl, the East West game, and you get an opportunity to evaluate them there. And we did have an opportunity to evaluate Bajant. Uh, that's my French. Uh, yeah. Uh, down at the senior bowl. How'd that and go? Well, he didn't have a great week, to be honest with you, but you can see the size. You can see the athleticism. Uh, the stage was a little big for him, uh, you know, but that those are the things you're trying to project. And then when you get an opportunity to meet with them individually and spend the time with them, uh, you get an idea of how far mentally they are behind and how long you're anticipating them to be able to catch up to the speed of the NFL game. But it's a significant jump from a division two or lower program than a, than a power five or division one, uh, the speed of the game. And I said numerous times I would go to a game Saturday or Friday night before I meet the team on uh, if we were on the road and watching a SEC game was like watching slow motion to me on what I was going to see on Sunday. Yeah, I've heard people say that before, that are people that are in the league, that, that you know, if you're a college scout, it's important to go back and watch the NFL film to make sure you know what you're supposed to be looking for and what it looks like and the speed at which it, it, it plays. The only, the only thing I would say to that is the only true measuring stick is you have to see it live. Ah, Okay. Because you see it in real time then, not on tape, you know, and I understand you can evaluate the tape and all that, but to see it actually the difference in speed live versus watching it on tape and watching a live NFL game and a, a live power five school game. Yeah. Uh, and those are where your best athletes are for the most part. And the speed is just unbelievably different when you watch the two. One other thing I wanted to mention quickly before we get going here to my top 50 and then on to the, the five-star guys we're going to talk about. So Anthony Richardson's going to undergo season-ending shoulder, so, shoulder surgery, which is terrible news for him and the, and the Colts. 13 starts coming out of Florida. We know he's enormous. We had that pro day. We saw that live, and that was certainly something you don't see every day. Are you having – This. Yeah. Okay, you had an opportunity to actually experience how to do a pro day live, how to do a senior bowl. Do you think when you evaluated all that tape in the fall 
that when you saw it live with your own eyes, that that made a difference in your evaluation. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And it, the part of the thing, and I've talked to you about this before, is it's hard for me sometimes to gauge how good a quarterback in particular his arm is on tape. Um, I'm not great at doing that, but I was able to see CJ. CJ's arm was better than I thought. Bryce's arm was a tick below CJ's, but pretty close. Both good arms. And then, you know, we see Anthony Richardson and Will, Will Levis can throw the ball through a wall. I think you said this, but I don't disagree. I think Will Levis has a better arm than Anthony Richardson, don't you think? I think Anthony Richardson's arm is just as strong. Uh, okay. But it looks so much smoother when it comes out. Way less that, effort. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And those things I wanted to see in person. And you pointed out something at that pro day that I wouldn't have noticed otherwise. You said, watch Will Levis when he goes to his left because he struggles. He's so thick, upper body. It's, it's hard for him to get his shoulder square and, and throw accurately down the field. And that played itself out even when he was throwing against the air. So those things were incredibly important. And our buddy Pete Briscoe thinks pro days are stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, Pete's got the answers to everything. <laughs> but I want to ask you this about Anthony. Are you having conversations in the spring if you're looking for a quarterback about, okay, and Shane Steichen's going to be your guy. You've already hired him. Uh, you're going to run him a lot. You have to have a backup plan because he very well could get hurt, and how are we going to minimize the, the chances of him getting hurt? He got hurt on a freak on a freak play, as it turned out. But are you talking about those things before? No, I mean, hopefully this is just uh... – uh, an anomaly. It's not the history because he really, I don't believe had much. He only played in 13 games. So you don't have a history of durability with him. And hopefully this is just a bump in the road as you go forward. But what you're talking about, if whether it's Gardner Minshew, whether it's another quarterback, that if we have a backup, what are we looking for in our backup? Yeah. You know, that's like, you know, when we talked about Debo's Eagles. Uh, uh, is McKee really the same athlete that Jalen Hurts is or Marcus Mariotti is? No, but they seem to find a way to fit a system around him as well. Yeah, and McKee is another example. Just like Tyson Bajant, who I didn't love coming out. Tyson Bajant played Division Two. That's a different conversation, but I didn't lo love McKee at Stanford, and then in the preseason, he flipped a switch. Um, so maybe uh, Harry, um, Howie, Ro Howie Roseman is a little bit more than I do. Can you imagine well, that? And then just remember, you see all these guys that show up, rookie quarterbacks in the preseason. It's a little different animal uh, when you get into the regular season. Yeah, ask DTR about that and Aiden O'Connell for that matter. Uh, yeah. Oof. All right, let's talk about this top 50, the stars of tomorrow. Start of the top 10. And I'll just read them out real quick for people who are listening and not watching. No surprise, Caleb Williams is number one. Then Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver at Ohio State. Ola Fashanu, uh, the tackle out of Penn State. We haven't talked a lot about him, but we will next week because Ohio State and Penn State is the matchup. Debo's already nervous about that. And number four, Drake May, the quarterback out of UNC. Five, Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia, who's having the ankle surgery. Um, I think he'll be back this year. I'll ask you, but I know the answer. This had, yes, zero impact on his draft stock. Yeah, I mean. Absolutely not. His leg could fall off, and I'm still probably taking him in the top 10. He's that good. Joe Alt at number six, off the tackle on Notre Dame. We have talked about him previously and, and have been, uh, not surprised, but been um, happy with the progress that he's made. He was already good. Dallas Turner, edge rusher out of Alabama, number seven. Johnny Newton, the interior defensive lineman out of Illinois at eight. Chop Robinson, Debo's guy at Penn State, needs a big game this weekend. Edge rusher at number nine. And then finally, J.C. Latham, the tackle out of Alabama at number 10. All right, Rick, I'm going to come to you. Just give me your overall impressions of the top 10, and then we'll get into your, your homework assignment that Debo gave you. Uh, first seven, I was fine with. Then it got a little choppy. <laughs> oh, wait. You're, but John, John, I was like, wait, Johnny's not choppy. Choppy. Yeah, I see. Uh, the issue, I like Johnny Newton. He's not as polished as Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter went nine. He should have gone first overall. So John, yeah. uh, Johnny Newton and Chop Robinson, have you watched oh, Chop yet at all? Yeah, I just saw one game on him. I don't. Yeah, I know what do you he's think? Undersized plays his rear end off. Right. Um, you know, but it, the size is going to be a little bit of a factor. Uh, but I didn't see him in a top ten. Neither did I see Johnny Newton in a top ten. Do you like Jared Verse better than Chop, even though Jared hasn't been as explosive this year? I do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't get upset with that. I understand that totally. I, I just, I do love chop Robinson's motor and maybe my thinking was you put 
10 pounds on them or whatever, and then you, you get to where you want to get to. But the motor thing is something that you, you can't coach. Okay. You put 10 pounds on him. Does he move the same? I talked to him. He said he would. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you okay with JC Latham at 10 to tackle? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Let's get to your homework uh, by way of teacher Debo. One player that I ranked too high in my top 25, Rick, who do you got? Oh my God. I, I, I could have picked numerous. <laughs> All right. Well, give me one and we'll go from there. Like I put him in a hat. I, I was like, this was the easiest homework assignment I had because I had about 15 of your top 25 that were too high, but that's fine. I'm sorry. I still have 89 days. You get 89 days. Take it easy. Yeah. Sarcastic, sarcastic towards all. You got all the ass part right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Work and effort did you put into this? Uh, so, <laughs> but the one that was a sore thumb to me was Patrick Paul. You have him going at thirteen, uh, the offensive left tackle from uh, Houston. Yeah. So, and I went back and watched his tape this year as part of my homework assignment. How to look? I love his size. I love his length. Uh, he plays with a high pad level still. He gives effort and energy in the run game, but he doesn't create a lot of movement there. And in his past pro, he's matched up. He really hasn't been challenged yet because I wanted to see him against Big 12 yeah. competition. Uh, but I watched a TCU game, and they really didn't put an edge guy on him. So I want to see before the uh, jury comes in with a final verdict, him versus some more polished type edge rushers, but all the physical traits are there. He's still raw technically with his hands and pass pro. Uh, when his pad level is high, he does get bullied back to the quarterback some, but that's why I think there's just too many unanswered questions for me yet to say, you know, he's a, even in your top 25. And you mentioned uh, when we talked yesterday, you mentioned Marius Mims, a tackle out of Georgia, but he's had the uh, ankle since the South Carolina game. So he hasn't played. He's a huge, enormous human being. He might be bigger than J.C. Latham uh, right. sitting, sitting next to each other. But I don't know, like, did, did you like the BYU tackle better? Did you like the uh, – like, I haven't done Morgan from Arizona yet. Uh, the Arizona tackles being mentioned out there. I got him. He's at 26. Jordan Morgan is. And then the Kingsley Suomataya, I apologize for mispronouncing your name, Kingsley, the BYU tackle. I had him at 31. And I think we talked about this when, when Josh Edwards did the draft podcast with us, the mock draft podcast. I didn't love him last year, but I was talking to a West Coast scout about him, and he said he played out of position at right tackle, and he's a better athlete than he looked at times last year. So um, that's something to reconsider. The guy I did watch, I didn't watch him until last week before I put this list together. And I, I, I'm interested to see what you think when you get around to him is the Oregon tackle, Fuaga. And that guy was a ton of fun. Did you get a chance to watch him or no? No, I haven't seen him. Yet. Oh, he was fun. And I it's a pleasant surprise when you don't have any expectations of anyone and you watch him, you're like, oh, this guy has been flying under the radar and he probably won't be for much longer. So the Patrick Paul thing is, is an upside thing. You talked about the, the good part of it, and there are questions for sure. But what I come back to is how often are tackles overdrafted because you just have to have them. Are you asking me a question or is yeah, that a question, question mark? What, how often are these the offensive tackles go? Um, but it depends on how the rest of the board is developed too. Um, but there's been some very good offensive tackle classes. And then there's been some offensive tackle classes that aren't as deep at the top, uh, but you don't want to force something that's not there. Let me ask you this, just based on what we know right now in the middle of October, Patrick Paul or Broderick Jones, if you're taking a guy? Broderick Jones. Because he struggled a little bit. He hasn't been terrible. He's just a young young guy. He's still pretty young, working at getting stronger in pass pro, yada, yada, yada. But you liked him better. I liked him better, yes. Okay. Fair enough. All right, we'll continue to keep an eye on Patrick Paul. Oh, my gosh. Let's go to the next homework assignment. And I can't believe Debo asked the question, and I can't believe you answered it. One player ranked too high. In the 26 to 50 range. <laughs> Your guy, Spencer Rattler. What do you, let me just start here. What do you have against Spencer Rattler? What did he do to you? Well, he was number 41 on your list. I still don't think he's in the uh, second round category because top 50 is telling me that he's going to go somewhere mid range in the second round. I just don't see that happening. And I just think there are other quarterbacks that will go in front of him right now. <laughs> 
I do recognize he's gotten better this year. I just bothers me that when the game is on the line, yeah, I know. That's those are the things that bother me. Can he come through with you for your team when the game is on the line? And that's, all right, let me let me ask you this because we he has our guy Xavier Leggett. The offensive line has been a mess. And what? So let's say you ask him in the in the room at the combine or the senior bowl, wherever you're talking to him, what's up with all these end of game interceptions when the game is on the line? And he said. I'm pressing, but I'm trying to drag this team down the field. He doesn't say that my teammates aren't as good as I want them to be, but he, he says, I'm trying to make plays and um, I don't have a lot of time. Does that rub you the wrong way? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you'd have to get into more detail on that. I, I would go, well, what do you mean by that? You don't have time. <laughs> trying to walk them down a, a dead alley. So yeah, can- just trying to see what rabbit hole he's going to take me. Is it, are you talking about you don't have time because the play's not getting in on time or you don't have time because you're pressing because you don't think you have enough time on the play clock. Uh, you know, you don't have time. That's a very generalized statement. So what do you actually mean by time? That's your Navy SEAL training to interrogate these these guys. Uh, all right, let me read you some names, and you tell me if you're drafting my guy Spencer Rattler or, or this player. Uh, let's assume let's assume Shadur Sanders returns to school. Uh, Quinn Ewers. Ewers. Bo Nix. Nix. Interesting. Okay, and you you like Nix end of three, early four ish around that range. Okay, uh, JJ McCarthy. I'm pretty sure you're on the JJ McCarthy train. Yeah. We haven't, I haven't anyway. I haven't watched Michael Pratt yet. Have you seen him out of Tulane? No, I have not. I watched him earlier in his career, but so we'll circle back to him. Okay. How about this? Riley Leonard. Ooh, you, you, you have a love fest with both. I'm drafting both. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're on the clock, Ryan Wilson. Riley, get a quarterback. You're there in the seventh round. Just stop it. I'm taking, I'm taking Spencer. You're taking Spencer over, uh, He's played a lot more football, and he's a lot more polished in terms of if you're looking for something resembling a, a, fran- a, a franchise, a, a pocket passer. And he's a, he's a good athlete. Okay. All right, Debo has a name, and this is a guy that we're going to have to talk a lot more about because he's been balling out. Jaden Daniels. Boy, I, when I was watching the uh, tight end the other day uh, that we're going to talk about, I don't want to give it away yet. But... No, LSU's Jaden Daniels, not Jordan Travis. Jaden Daniels, oh, LSU. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gone back and seen him yet, but I did see the one game because we were watching. I was watching Neighbors when he had a 200-plus yard game the other week. <laughs> right. And Daniels has made vast improvement from what we've seen last year. Yeah, we're going to put him on the to-do list soon because he's been playing out of his mind. Yeah. All right, Jordan Travis, too, Florida State. <clears throat> yeah, he's just small, but he's a runaround guy. I see him. Daniels is a bigger, more – at. I should say more athletic is a bigger kid and he actually throws a really nice ball and he's been much more accurate uh, off the limited exposure I had this year than I've seen in the past. Yeah. He actually looks more comfortable playing quarterback. Um, So he looks like he's in better rhythm than he did last year at this time, probably more comfortable with the new scheme and the new offense. So I would take Daniels over Rattler right now. I think I would too. I, I don't I I I want to go back and watch more closely, but um, I agree with you. All right, I'll mention I'll mention two more names: Cam Ward out of Washington State or Spencer Rattler. Boy, that's a toss-up for me right now. I mean, Cam Ward has some very spectacular moments, but then you like scratch your head on what right. was he thinking or why did he throw the ball up when he didn't have to do that. All right, let's see if I can get a win here. Miami's Tyler Van Dyke or Spencer Rattler? No, oh, boy, it's. Let me get to the bottom of the barrel here and start. Yeah, you were down on Spencer. I like Spencer. I, I would go with Spencer. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I want to hear. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll get through the rest of Rick's homework assignment here right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Rick, let's continue our journey through the wonderful top 50 big board that I have created. One player that is ranked too low in the top 25, according to Rick Spielman. Yes, uh, J.C. Latham from the offensive tackle from Alabama. I just did him this week, saw all his games. He is a dominant run blocker and just moves people at the point. And he's finishing. He's, I don't know, I caught, counted five or six times. He just throw dudes to the ground. <laughs> uh, and he has been very good in pass pro. They've had struggles up on the offensive line, but it's not at right tackle by any means. And he is just maybe not left tackle feet, from an athletic standpoint, but he is so long and tough to get around. And he does need to clean up some of his technique work uh, because he opens the gate, which means he doesn't kick straight back in his pass pro. Sometimes he just opens right away when he's setting, and that leaves him susceptible at times to counters back to his inside because he's not staying square on the rusher. But uh, he and Joe Alt to me, uh, I keep Ooh. going back and forth on both those guys. And that's great that I would take him over Chop Robinson and Johnny Newton. Right. So J.C. Latham was was 10th on my on my big board. Joe Alt, the left tackle out of Notre Dame, was 6th. And, of course, Olaf Shanu, left tackle, Penn State, was 3rd. J.C. is right tackle only. So if you – well, I guess it depends. I mean, if you have a left tackle, if you have Panay Sewell and you needed a right tackle for whatever reason, you're taking J.C. Latham over Joe Alt, right? Well, Panay Sewell plays on the right side for the Detroit. Oh, Lions. sorry, sorry. Yeah, never mind. Got me on that one. If you have Taylor Decker, Left and side. you need a right tackle, I'm getting the best player, best offensive lineman I can because there are pretty good pass rushers that come off the right side just as well as they come off the left side of the offensive line. So let's say you have Trent Williams in his prime. He's in his prime, but age wise, let's say Trent Williams is 28 years old, and you have an opportunity to take Joe Alt or J.C. Latham. You're taking Joe Alt. I'm taking whoever's the best on my board, and those are going to be some very thorough discussions. Those are going to be some pretty in-depth film study sessions, and it's going to be with the coaches and scouts. Okay. So we make sure that we have those guys lined up the way we want them. But you are you're comfortable having Joe Alt and J.C. Latham relatively close to one another yes. when you stack these guys up. Yes. All right. Awesome. Love it. All right. One player ranked too low in the 26 to 30 range, and this young man I had at number 30 on my list. Do the big reveal, Rick. Cooper Dejean. <laughs> I can't. There's a bunch of French nationalists coming into the NFL this year. I know. France is really ramping up their uh, feeder program to the NFL. The cornerback out of Iowa. Um, he's a he's a he's a big big dude. Has returnability. Yeah, uh, Cooper DeGene, I think it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, so, plays corner. Um, I thought he was aggressive in run support. I thought that he will come up and hit you. I thought he was did a nice job mirroring and man coverage. They play him from both press and off. He has some transition quickness to close when he's in off to underneath type routes. In uh, press, he can turn and run with the receiver couple of times, I think I only saw two targets down the field where he didn't make the play. But he can get so much better because his feet are really good mirroring the receiver on the release. But he doesn't use his hand to this, hands to disrupt the route, which means if he gets his hands on him and jams him, that disrupts the whole timing with the quarterback. But I think he can play multiple positions. I think he can play in the slot. I think he can play safety. He also gives you some punt return ability as well. And I just thought he was a very smooth, savvy corner that can play. And if I had to compare him to Riley Moss last year, this guy is better than Riley Moss. Yeah, and Riley Moss went to the Senior Bowl. Riley Moss had a really good career. Senior Bowl, too. Yeah, he had a really good career at Iowa. Um, 
I wasn't sure how athletic he was. Again, to your point, I saw him at the senior bowl. He was plenty athletic. <laughs> so sometimes it may not look like that on tape. And then you see the, 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 the player in person and that changes your opinion. Okay. I can buy that. All right. One player ranked perfectly. And I understand, uh, underline and put in bold the word perfectly in the top 25 and number 15, uh, a guy we just mentioned briefly here talking about his quarterback, LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. There is nothing perfectly about this 50 list, but since I had to do this for a homework assignment and I had to choose something, although it took me two days to think through this on, really, is there someone actually perfect on this list? And, and you came up with, with uh, Malik. No, I had to come up with it because the deadline was coming up. And <laughs> I had to pick somebody. <laughs> well, Malik, Malik, thanks you. Yes, yeah, but no, Malik Neighbors is a very good receiver having an outstanding year uh he's fast he's big he, he is athletic all everything you're looking for and right now i'm not so sure at this point in the season if he's not the number two receiver now we got a dunze from uh washington mm. uh from ohio state so there's going to be a really good battle between now the end of the season through the pre-draft process who is going to be the number two receiver off the board. We didn't even talk about Coleman at Florida State. So who's going to be the next receiver off the board? And that's going to be a uh, interesting debate as we go through this process. Adunze was um, 17 on my list. Abuka was 18. Keon Coleman was 20. Do you think one, two, three, four, that's five wide receivers, including Marvin Harrison Jr.? Do you think all five have a – what are the chances all five go in the first round? I think you'd have to – I think those are all worthy of mentioning in the first round. So I think this is maybe even a better class than last year's receiver yeah. class by far, much deeper. Yeah, because, better wide receiver and maybe better offensive tackle too. Yeah, yeah. So I could I could see that at this point, that five receivers potentially going in the first round. All right. One player ranked perfectly in the 26 to 50 range. And number 47 – you went with a wide receiver type tight end out of, out of Texas and uh, Jatavion Sanders. Yeah, Jatavion Sanders from Texas. That's where these type of tight ends went last year, right in that second, third round range. So um, I do – the more – he has grown on me from last year to the stuff I've seen this year. Oh, good. Uh, athletic tight end, still not a great blocker. Uh, pretty good athlete with the ball in his hands after the catch. So I really uh, thought that since it was almost at the end of my due time, that uh, let me start from 50. Oh, yeah, Sanders looks great. Uh, <laughs> perfect match at 47. But I do think he, that he is placed right where he's probably going to go in the draft. Oh, okay. All right, I like it. All right, I'm going to mention three names on the list that we didn't talk about that I am interested to see how the rest of their season plays out because they're a lot of fun to watch. I mentioned Fuaga, the tackle out of Oregon State earlier. He may have to kick inside, but I love the way he's played so far this season. Uh, some guy named Tyleek Williams. Oregon State, right? Oregon State, yeah. Oh, Oregon State? Yeah. Okay, you said Oregon earlier in the uh, podcast. Sorry, yeah. Talese Fuaga, offensive tackle, Oregon State. Uh, he's he's fun. At 35 on the list is Tyleek Williams, the interior defensive lineman at Ohio State, who you've seen and you, you're impressed with the way he's looked so far. Yes. Yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise to date, and he may be the most physical run defender in the draft. Now, I think he's limited as an inline pass rusher, but when I had an opportunity to meet him in person, I was shocked at how big he looked. So just stick through his lower and his upper. Uh, he is um, a very impressive physical specimen. Uh, and I think he's been one of the best run defenders at the nose tackle or defensive tackle position that I've seen this year. So we'll probably get a chance to talk about him over the weekend, depending on how the Penn State-Ohio State game goes. And then at number 50, I don't know if he's going to go this high, but man, you watch Leatu Latu at UCLA. And on the other side, although they line this guy up everywhere, is Gabriel Murphy. And he he plays, as you like to say, with his hair on fire too. He He has been a lot of fun to watch and – you know, you, you watch one guy and another guy keeps flashing, sort of like Keishon Booty and Malik Neighbors last year when you're watching the receivers in LSU. That was the case with Gabriel Murphy 
uh, when watching a lot too for UCLA. So just three names to, to keep an eye on as we get through this process here. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, going to get to these five-star review prospects via the mailbag right after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Rick, let's get to these five-star prospect reviews. Remember, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, nominate an FBS or FCS player, and we will evaluate them on the show. We're going to get through seven of these guys here. And, Rick, just for future reference, you don't have to watch every single snap going back to high school. You can just get a sense of who they are. and no, then i got to talk about them. I want to make sure that I've done the work so I can talk about them. And I'm going to sit there and kind of be my BS my way through this. I actually want to do the, the job and the, what, the work that entails to try to make some informed decisions on <laughs> Debo's 250 prospects that he gets us <laughs> Debo's creating fake, fake accounts, giving us five-star reviews and just throwing random names up there to see how yeah, deep you'll go. Debo was like in Quebec the other day and just said, well, let me, uh, oh yeah, I read about this guy in a Canadian paper. Let me throw him in as a five-star review. It's great. Debo, when's the last time you bought a Canadian newspaper? <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> there you go. You're right, Rick. Once again, Rick's evaluation's on point. All right, let's start with Brent Emerson AR. He nominates Raheem Sanders, the running back out of Arkansas. We talked about Raheem over the summer during the summer scouting. And, Rick, you talked about this the other day when, when we had a chit-chat. He's He got hurt in the Western Carolina game the first game of the year, had 15 carries, averaged 2.8 yards per carry, scored two uh, shortish goal line area touchdowns. Hasn't looked particularly springy just because he has a knee injury. And he hasn't. He's, he played two games after that Western Carolina game, not 100%. He hasn't played a lot since. And it's hard to get a, a read on who he is. I went back and looked at my notes from the summer. And he's a big body guy uh, who's he's more of a bulldozer. He's not going to be tiptoeing around like he's Barry Sanders, uh, dragging guys down the field. He can contribute in, in the pass game. Uh, he's a willing blocker. I like that in pass pro. But uh, it, it was hard for me to get a read on him on the 2023 tape, so I had to go back to 2022. And I mean, I, I like his game. I don't know how that back translates in today's NFL. Yeah, and, you know, one of the guys that kind of popped in my head that I wasn't a too enthusiastic about last year was the uh, big back that came out of App State. I yeah. think he's down at the Senior Bowl. And I don't know, and I agree with you on these type of backs because he's like an old school eye back back in the day when you had a fullback in front of him and just attack downhill. I just didn't see the speed and maybe some of the twitch that we saw a little bit in 2022. And maybe it is because of the injury. Um, but he is better going downhill. I think if you make him cut laterally and try to get outside, he is not as effective. Uh, he had two explosive plays uh, on screens versus Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Uh, he is more than willing to step up in pass protection, but I wonder if he has some MAs because at times it looks like he missed an assignment, and I'm just guessing. I don't MA means missed assignment? Yeah. So I, I didn't know if that was him or who that was on, but I had a tough time trying to fit him into an offense in the NFL and the way the offenses have evolved over the last couple of years, unless you're, you know, he's not anywhere near the King Henry category, but if you're in a Tennessee type offense with them big downhill runners, but even Tajay Spears, the running back that drafted out of Tulane, Tulane looks more explosive than, uh, than King Henry does right now. Yeah, he's a smaller, shiftier back, yeah. too. Had had knee concerns coming out. Cameron Peebles was the running back out of App State. Um, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, like you mentioned. I had a day three grade on him. I think he ended up going undrafted. 
But you, you mentioned trying to find a comp. Debo, of course, went back to our summer scouting. Do you remember who your comp was for him over the summer? No. Rashawn Johnson. Oh, yeah, but he doesn't look nearly as explosive as Rashawn off this year's tape. And my comp was, hold on to your chair here, Joe Mixon and TJ Yeldon. Yeah, no, that's why you stopped doing comps. <laughs> well, our draft range at the time over the summer was second or third round. He feels more like a day three guy right now, in part because of fit, in part because of lack of explosiveness, but that, again, may be the knee issue, right? Yeah, and he's only played, I think, three games this year. Three so games. that's even going to drop him farther. He may go undrafted. Yeah, so he has to get healthy and, and show some of the twitch that we saw um, over the summer when we talked about him there. But thank you, Brent Emerson, uh, Emerson AR, for the nominee. And I think another listener nominated Sanders as well. So one last homework assignment for you there, Rick. All right. That dude, ANY, ANYD. I'm just going to make up the, the ending there. That Jim. dude, Danny D. That's what it says. That dude, Danny D. Danny. Oh, Danny. Sorry. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. That dude, Danny. All right, Jaheim Bell, he nominates Jaheim Bell, the, the tight end slash jack-of-all-trades out of Florida State. Transferred from South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina could use Jaheim Bell right now. And here's my take on Jaheim Bell. We talked about him in week one after the LSU game, and he had a touchdown, but he had a drop. Two drops. Two drops, thank you. And then the he gets more involved, and it feels like they – I don't want to say they scheme him open, but they try to get the ball in his hands quickly and let him do all the, the heavy lifting afterwards. He can run the seam. He can make plays down the seam. I don't know how consistently he creates separation um, when he's out in the routes, but I like the idea of getting the ball in his hands and letting him do the the, the heavy lifting. Um, he's a willing blocker in line. I give him credit for that. He tries hard. He'll get on the perimeter and block. And a couple times you see him miss blocks on the perimeter, but he, he owns up to it right away. So I don't know if that's something you appreciate or not. I think, this is what I feel just watching him, not knowing anything. I feel like he's still growing into this offense, and he feels he's not exactly sure what he's supposed to be doing at all times, and maybe that'll come as he continues to get more comfortable in it. Really? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think this guy is going to be a niche-type role player. Uh, he's not going to be an on-the-line Y. They try to get the ball to him on quick screens. The thing that's very unique about him is his athleticism and his speed after the catch. It almost looks he almost looks like a big receiver when he has a ball in his hands. Uh, there were a couple of explosive plays that I seen that he did not get run down from behind uh, and he outran a couple of pursuit angles. I still do have an issue with him getting more polished as a pass rush or as a pass route runner. Um, I think that that needs some work. He uh, has very good hands. I would say good hands, but I counted two more drops in the tapes I got through uh, that were concentration, get drops. So I think the drops need to get cleaned up. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be a full-time starter in the league. He's going to have to be like a niche role, uh, try to create mismatch from an H-back position with him in the NFL. He's also going to have to make sure that he is going to be a contributor on special teams because when you're trying to make that 46 man roster, that active roster for game day, guys that have this type of role also have to be good special teams players. What do you think about the idea? Cause when I was watching, I just sort of wanted to see more. I, I don't, I feel like at times he runs faster than at other times. And I, I wonder if he's just thinking too much. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. And what do you think about the idea of, of him getting a lot better? It's just a matter of being in a new offense and, and trying to figure things out. I think he's gotten much better since the LSU game. I okay. see him turning upwards. So Okay. Okay. All right. Good. He's a unique athlete for the position. I just don't see him as a maybe Friday, but I see him more leaning towards Saturday than Friday right now as a draft pick. Do you remember your comp from the summer? I think it was the Maryland. Chicken uh, Conquo, and you gave him a little Braden Willis love too. Yeah. I did a conquo with the athleticism of Jalen Samuels. That's great. <laughs> actually, versatility, sorry. Uh, and we said third round then. And actually, when I watched him uh, this for the show here, I, I put early day three. Yes, I think he's going to be a Saturday pick. Okay. That dude, Danny D. That's how you say it, Rick. Thank you for that submission, that dude. Next up. This is our guy, Josh Edwards, his submission. 
going to the University of Ohio. Jesus, Josh. No, Miami of Ohio. Excuse me. <laughs> no, it was Ohio U, I thought. Oh, it is Ohio U. Yeah. They were wearing white uh, when I was watching them, so I, that's why I was confused. I think Josh actually is an alum of Ohio as well. White and green. Uh, Miami of Ohio is white and cardinal red. Red Hawks? Yes. Yeah. Curtis Work, quarterback at uh, Josh's alma mater. So let me give you the backstory here, Rick, in case you, you didn't know it. Um, he's the conference player of the year. Work was last year but he tore his ACL in week in the 11th game of last season. He wasn't cleared to play in 2023 until um, a few days before their week zero game against San Diego state. And he wears a knee brace on his right knee, if I recall correctly in the games I watched. And um, I thought he had a quick release. Didn't seem to have a, a rifle arm. Uh, he put the ball on, on his uh, receivers and quick in the quick game. By that, I mean, he gave him opportunities to get down the field and throw it behind him with a throw low. Um, I liked his ability to climb the pocket with pressure and he'll rip one down the field. He'll throw the deep ball, but uh, he struggled with accuracy at times on the deep ball. So it was hard for me to get a read on, on who he is. And maybe some of this is just injury related coming back from the ACL, which was um, not even a year ago at this point. Yeah. There's a couple of points I'm going to disagree with you on, if you don't mind. I do not. So uh, he is big. I thought he moved around okay, but he's more of a pocket passer, but he does have enough movement skills uh, than just a statue in the pocket. I think that his release is a wind-up release, and I think the DBs mm. at the NFL level are going to get a jump on a lot of his throws, gotcha. especially if he's staring down the receivers, because uh, I thought he dropped the ball and he had to get his body behind some of these throws. He can get away with it at this level, and even was it uh, – Iowa State, I, I think, did they play Iowa State this yep. year? Uh, he made some nice throws there, but that elongated delivery uh, is going to give him uh, problems at the at the NFL level, especially the way these DBs get break they break on the ball. So, um, in terms of driving the ball, anything have to do with the reconstructed ACL of his plant leg, his right foot? I don't know. I'm just looking at the delivery, and I didn't. I didn't know about the ACL when I did him, and it looks like he does have to get his body behind some throws, and that also contributes to his elongated release. Fun fact via Debo: the Jaguars just signed his brother Nathan Work, who was the previous quarterback at the at at Ohio University, and I believe he was a phenom up in the Canadian league. I'm sure Debo knows that since he goes up to Canada every other week. <laughs> yeah, I was actually watching his his tape last weekend. They were showing it in a bar, and that and that's why, you know, I wanted to throw that your way. Yeah. Did you know that I knew that he was up in Canada, Debo? I you you have your Canadian football unlock. I know that. Just don't go asking for directions at the at the gas station in, in French. No. And well, unless you speak French, because that's why I've been doing a lot of French work on this podcast. So. Yeah, tell tell the woman behind the counter next time that you know Maison Bajin, and you will be fine. <laughs> so it feels like to me, Curtis Work, if we're being honest, uh, probably looking at a undrafted situation. God put him as a college free agent. Let me see. Was his brother? I think his brother was was a priority free agent as well. Let me double check here. Yeah, undrafted. Undrafted. Yep. There you go. All right. Next up, let's go to another quarterback. And Rick, I'll be honest with you, our buddy. Chris Hassel is a longtime Iowa supporter. He grew up in Iowa, and he tweets consistently on Saturdays about the, the state of that program at Iowa. And after I got through watching Cade McNamara, which was uh, nominated by Worth 87, this is what I texted Hassel. I said, my God, I'm watching Cade McNamara for the draft podcast tomorrow. Some sadistic listener asked that we evaluate him, and this Iowa offense should be what they show prisoners to get them to cooperate. It is... Let me just give you this fun fact, and then you can go into your your talk here. Iowa leads the FBS in 13 personnel uh, and run 12 personnel or 13 personnel 54% of the time. And by that, I mean one running back and, and three tight ends on the field or run one, run one running back and two tight ends on the field. Hence the term tight end you. <laughs> Hence the term tight end you. Man, it, I don't – it's hard for me to figure out what Cade McNamara is. Because here's one of the notes I made. Every throw feels like a contested catch, uh, whether it's a shorter intermediate route. And it 
on a lot of third and shorts in the games I watched, it felt like the routes were eight, nine, ten yards down the field, and Cade didn't have a chance. The offensive line would get blown up, and he would just be getting plastered play after play after play. Your thoughts? A um, little bit. I, I He plays like a pocket passer, and maybe that's the scheme of the offense. I would like to see him because I think he's athletic enough to try to get outside the pocket or get him on some boots or some play actions, something to get him outside and let him roll and see what he can do um, outside the pocket. But he is a smaller quarterback. I think his arm is just adequate. It's not elite. Most of his good throws come between the numbers. Um, but I was really, really disappointed in his decision-making. And if you watch that Western Michigan game, some of the balls that he put up for grabs, I think he threw two interceptions that game. The last interception was something that you burned the tape. Yeah, and then he did, he couldn't match up. And again, maybe it's Iowa's offense, but struggled in the Penn State game mightily as well. So I just saw this kid as a uh, college free agent. And again, he transferred from Michigan, and it's hard to get a read on him in this Iowa offense. And perhaps that's unfair to him on some level. But there's times where the the tight end would run the hitch on the hash, and the ball would come out like a half second late, and you know gives the the defender a chance for a pass breakup. And you're just wondering what the plan is, and not necessarily McNamara's plan, but the offensive plan overall. And so if you're watching this and you're trying to evaluate this quarterback as a as a as a group, what like where do you start? Like what what's what how do you figure this out? <laughs> you figure out he's a college free agent, you're probably going to talk about him uh, where I stack him on the backboard if I want to bring him in for camp. I don't like his decision making. I and get it. Okay. So that was one issue. I don't think he has a strong arm. Um uh, and the kid um I just wish I could see him do some things because I think he is a decent enough athlete getting him outside the pocket, doing some things uh, besides standing there at six, uh, estimated at six one, whatever he is, 200 and some pounds and trying to make him like a pocket passer. So I, I wish I could see him on the move and throw a little bit. Uh, but I really, for, how much experience he's had at Michigan and then coming over here, just wish that he would make better decisions because if he's making poor decisions at this level and turning the ball over, I can't imagine what it would look like at the next level. So how do you figure out Sam Laporta? Here's my conspiracy theory. Okay, go ahead. I think because their offense, if I am correct, has to average 25 points a game. Coach Ferenc's son to keep the offensive coordinator job. I don't right. know. But whatever was uh, rumors out there, so yeah. I, I think he sold this kid. Whatever you do, just throw it up there so we can get try to get 25 points in every game. Well, quit running the ball 50 times a game if you want to do that. Because he's hurt now, too, right? He's not playing. He's hurt. That's the other thing, right? I think his season's done. Um, but I want to ask quickly, what about – so how do you evaluate Stan Laporta? How did we know that he was going to be so good when he had limited opportunities and he ran basically flat routes last year? Because you can see his athleticism. You can see him catch the ball. You can see him get it up after the catch, and you can see his effort, uh, what he was as a blocker. So you're projecting, even though he was in a limited offense and ran limited routes, but you can see all the traits and the athleticism that you needed to see to project him to what your offense is go, uh, going to do at the next level. Is it sort of the same situation? It's probably verified even more at his pro day. Right. They watched him run routes when they see what he ran in the 40. Uh, when you put your concepts and if, at the pro day, and you've seen him more than run just flat routes probably at the pro day, and you saw it at the combine as well. Right. So uh, those are the things you can see that maybe you didn't see on tape. All right, fair enough. All right, thank you, Worth87, for making us endure Cade McNamara. Um, Was it right. Chris? What's that? Chris, is that Chris? Just like Joshua's a secret, whatever he is, Jethro Toll. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think this is a hassle. That would be something if it was. And you made you made the point, and I'll just read it right here. October 3rd, uh, McNamara, it was announced that he would have missed the rest of the season with a torn ACL. So that stinks for him. All right, next up, Brent Venables took time away from coaching up Oklahoma to leave us a name. And, man, this guy is fun. 
Cameron Scadabo, Arizona State, transfer from Sacramento State. And he is a little spark plug back there. So I'm going to give you the name. That I did my old Rick Spielman Rolodex. My Rolodex has about four names in it. So tell me what you think about this comp. Don't even use a comp that we talked about off the air. I don't remember what you said. So I, I don't think it's Danny Woodhead is what I came up with. Yeah. Who's better? This kid. I like oh. Okay, yeah. So, I man, he does everything. So, usually when I check the stats, uh, I'll uh, do the return, make sure they're, they're not a kick returner or whatever. And I saw a punt, and this dude actually punts. Like, he's not returning punts. He's kicking punts. He had, uh, in the USC game, he threw three passes, almost had a touchdown pass that just went off the, the I think it was the running back running a little wheel route, off his fingertips. This guy is electric. And he is not the, he's not Christian McCaffrey athletic, but he can make guys miss in the hole. He likes to run over people, low center of gravity. He will stick his nose in there and block people. He's an asset in the pass game, literally receiving and throwing. Um, tell me about your thoughts on Cameron Scadabo. And because they had so many quarterback injuries, he, he played a lot of wildcat quarterback too. That's right. So I was pretty impressed with this kid. I thought uh, he had very good inline vision. I think he has great run balance. I think he is quicker than fast. He can burst through the hole. He's the hammer, not the nail. When guys come up and try to hit him, uh, he's going to. He's a punishing runner. He has enough twitch to maybe make a sidestep move uh, at the second level. But most part, you're going to. If you're a DB, you know he's going to try to run through you and try to avoid you. Uh, caught the ball very well out of the backfield. I think he had the 52-yard touchdown. Um, and he ran over a DB. And, yeah, that was a great run against USC. Yeah, and then had another big play in the Cal game. The only issue I have is the speed. I don't think I think he's going to be a four six guy, which will hurt him. But he got gunned down in the Cal game. Uh, this guy is more than tough enough and willing to square up and pass pro. This guy is a really really good college back. I just am concerned about what he will run and if that will affect his draft stock. So I had him as a midday three guy, just based on what I saw. I don't know how fast he's going to be. How you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy's a draft ball. I'd love to have this kid on our football team. Who was your comp? I don't remember who you said. I said he was kind of a little bit reminding me of Evan Hall. Oh, right. That's right. Out of Northwestern. Yeah. Evan moved a little bit, though, when he ran. He ran fast. So this this guy runs a 4.65. That's a problem? That's a problem. Kyron Williams went a 4.75 or something, I think. Yeah. Well, he's a good player, but. You're talking about, I think this guy will be a good NFL player. Yeah. But you're talking about where he's going to go in the draft. If you're yeah. running 6'5, you're not going in first, second, third round. Right. No, that's right. Yeah. He was fun. That was great. Brent Venables is leading the pack in terms of nominees that uh, we really, really like. So thank you, Brent, for that. All right. We're down the home stretch here, Rick. Do we have just one more D Bell? Is that right? Two. Two more. Yeah. There it is. Thank you. Going through both of these guys since I spent the last 22 hours out of the last 48 hours trying to get all these guys written up. <laughs> you watch eight games on each guy. <laughs> Forever Within nominated Angelo Gross. Uh, plays my, primarily slot for Michigan State. And you mentioned this to me. I'll let you start here because you you told, you told had a lot of the notes. I don't want to steal your notes. So you go ahead. Did you do them? Yeah, yeah. No, I did them. Well, let's keep the rhythm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you mentioned that he's slight of frame. Man, he is stiff at the top of routes. <laughs> Look, he will come downhill and throw his body around. Like, he is trying to run through people, and I give him a lot of credit. He plays like he's 230. He might weigh 165. I don't know what he weighs. Uh, but he's incredibly handsy at the top of routes because of that stiffness it feels like. And I'm not sure how fast he is because when he's asked to cover someone on go routes, he the separation is, is apparent and usually pretty consistent. And I don't want to slight this young man because he does play hard. And that defense has a lot of holes, and he can't do everything. But I like the the grit. I like the the you know the hustle. But I don't know if he's there athletically. That's the issue that I had. So I agree with you on that. I think he's sticky out of his transition. He needs a lot of technique work to clean up his footwork. Um, he has a tendency to squat on routes. That's why guys get behind him. Hmm. Uh, played a lot over the slot. Some safety. I don't think he's an outside guy. He may be a nickel type guy. Um, but I do love his aggressiveness, although he misses tackles, but at least he's going to come up and try to throw his bag of bones in the pile uh, or try to put a hit on somebody. But 
made a, I don't know if I couldn't tell if he got his foot in or not, but he had a nice interception in the Iowa game, made another nice play in the back of the end zone versus Maryland that I saw. Um, so his hands were good. Um, but I watched the Washington game because they have three NFL prospects. That was not a good game to put Don't on. Do that. Uh, Washington beat, put the hurt on that team too. Yeah. So that was not a good game. And he had an opportunity. He had an opportunity to evaluate him against the, uh, the big three receivers there. Um, so I saw this guy as probably a late round free agent, but I do give him credit for his passion and the energy yeah. he plays with on the field. He was kind of a fun player to watch because he plays so hard and he's so aggressive and, and tries to do everything. He just may have some physical limitations it's going to be tough for him to overcome. And look, if he's a straight line guy who's willing to hit, I would imagine that helps you out on special teams if that's what you, if you need to fill a hole yeah. there. He gets signed as a maybe someone if he runs for fast, he may get signed late because of his aggressive style. Right. And this guy may be a, a special team candidate, but you're worried about him because of uh, I don't know how big he is. He looks thin on tape. And I think that's the other thing when you talk about missed tackles. I think he if you know he's not strong enough. That's that right. may be part of the issue, but it's not from lack of. Um, lack of want to. Yeah, effort. All right, finally, the guy with the best last name on this list, Peyton Wilson, linebacker, NC State. And he looks thinnish on tape, and I went back and looked it up afterwards. He's 6'4". So he has like a – yeah, he's a Drew Sanders body. Yeah. He's not Drew Sanders, but he has that frame. Um, You talked about this. He he runs pretty well. I saw him get – struggle on a wheel route to stay with the running back. I don't know if the running back ran, but in tip, typically he, he moves pretty well North to South. He's an incredibly smart player. He's always around the football. I would like him to get a little bit stronger. I don't know if that happens because he's been around the, I think he's 23, 24. He'll be 24. I think in April is, is what I saw. So I don't know how much room he has for, for adding bulk, but is there a, is there room on a team for an incredibly smart football player who knows where to be, but he's not going to be, he ain't going to be Ray Lewis on every single play. No. What I liked about him was his size. I love his straight line speed because this guy can motor. Uh, I don't like his tightness or his stiffness. Uh, when he attacks the run game downhill, he does not use his hands consistently. He needs to shock and shed blockers better. At times when he has, when he's kept clean, I think he's smart and instinctive to find and locate the ball, and he'll be a solid hitter and wrap up tackler. I think he's going to have limitations in space and coverage. But the one thing that really stood out to me is this guy comes with speed, with power as a blitzer, whether it's coming off the edge or through the a gap, this guy uh, had an impact when they blitzed him on the quarterback. So I kind of liked watching this kid. Yeah. Uh, I wish that he was a little more physical in the run game, especially using his hands. Maybe that can be taught. Um, but I can see this guy with this size and, you know, getting drafted late because I think he's going to run pretty well. Um, and I also think that this is the type of kid that if he's a backup linebacker for you, that he has definitely got an opportunity to be, because of his speed, a pretty good special teams player. And he didn't play. I mean, he lines up all over. He's not just an off-ball guy, to your point. Uh, he, line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, they, they move him around some, so he has to be smart if he's playing – at a lot of lining them up at the different spots they do line them up. But I thought uh, he was fun to watch now. When he comes, he comes with his ears pinned back to the at the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I had um I said fifth, mid mid fifth, like maybe right around there, middle day three. Um it's worth noting, and this will have an impact on what ends up happening. Has uh two injury red shirts over his career. Um and coming into the season, he only had seventeen hundred snaps. So that's, that's something. Still not a snap still. Seventeen hundred. If you can't evaluate a player off seventeen hundred <laughs> snaps, then what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> um. Oh, I also made a note. Last year, Isaiah Moore was a linebacker on that team. He went undrafted. He's a better athlete, I think, than Peyton. And then Drake Thomas. In a sense, Peyton is sort of a combination of those guys because Drake Thomas had one of the best motors I've ever seen anyone in college football. He was just injury prone and undersized. Yeah. And he's currently on Seattle's 53. Isaiah Moore, I think, is a free agent. He was with Kansas City. He may have gotten hurt um, back uh, in the offseason. But anyway, Peyton Wilson, fun watch. Thank you to 
Genji Cedo. Hopefully I said that right for that suggestion. So there you go, Rick. You're done with your homework for a couple of days. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm getting started on my homework for next week. Tonight's yeah. afternoon. It never ends. In order okay, to what? bring up with the uh, high demands of this uh, podcast. Absolutely. I, I was actually thinking the other day, man, I can't wait till the end of the college football season so I'll get a breather <laughs> with all this homework Devo, Devo gives us. <laughs> Devo won our top 2,000 by uh, December 25th. So. Yeah, I can't wait till your top 2,000 list comes out. <laughs> so how would you grade my uh, top 50? Mm, I'd give you a B. I'll take it. That's that's Minus. not great. That's fine. <laughs> you don't do. You said you don't do pluses and minuses, so it's a B. You have to give me a B. Okay, I'll that's take good. it. Yeah, I'll give you a B just because there's 89 days till I can. Uh, yeah. Uh, give it an actual grade. I was gonna say once it gets below 100, that's an F minus all day long. <laughs> all right, that's it, Rick. That's a wrap on episode 90. Thanks as oh, I do. I oh, do. Appreciate all the hard work and effort you put into that top. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You haven't had to say that a lot so far this this season, but it's early. Script for this year yet? It's early. It's early. Get alongside of my good friend, CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Your hair looked great in that picture, and my shirt, and your shirt. Yeah, it's too cold for the. You don't have long sleeve guy bars, I would imagine, right? The the what? Long sleeve guy bar shirts. They don't make those. No. No, yeah. all no. right. We'll, 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 we'll. They probably do. It gets probably getting the seventies or sixties. And, and it was okay. thirty-eight here this morning when I was walking the dog. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. You've gotten soft in a hurry. Let me tell you. Oh my all god, right. my wife says that every day. <laughs> I don't think I've worn shoes on the island since I've lived here. You haven't, or she hasn't. I haven't. No, no my wife's not a hillbilly. Apparently, I. <laughs> yeah, your wife's cultured, from what I understand. All right, Rick, that's it. We're done. Episode 90 in the books. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Mr. Spielman. Thanks to Devo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. Keep those five-star reviews coming. And we'll see you guys next week. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.